So everything I learned about risk and adventure, I learned from the two men that I most adore in my life, my father and my Uncle Bill. My father and my Uncle Bill weren't actually brothers. They were best friends, and they were second-generation best friends. Their mothers had come over together from Germany and met on the boat into Ellis Island. And so most of what we learned was revealed to us in these two-week snippets of intensive time with my father and my Uncle Bill in the summer. The best time I can remember is the summer that we did extreme camping off the shores of Long Island. Now, I need to tell you that camping today is nothing like it was in the 60s and 70s. My kids have this whisper-thin tent. You can fold it up and put it in your pocket. It dries in an hour, and it weighs three pounds. We had government-issue military canvas. These things weighed 150 pounds apiece. They had 27 interlocking poles that you had to fit together exactly or it would just collapse on you while you slept. The first day we bought this, it smelled like 100 sweaty soldiers had slept in this thing. I think the last time we camped in it was 1971 and it's still drying in my mother's garage. So for these two weeks, two mothers, two fathers, and six children loaded 4,000 pounds of camping gear into these two little boats, and we head out onto the shores of Long Island. And it took us an entire day to get to this really remote peninsula. And we'd set up our gear, and for the next 12 days, it was like Lord of the Flies meets Swiss Family Robinson. There were no rules, there were no quiet hours. Not only would we not wait a half an hour before we would go back into the water, sometimes we would eat our lunch in the water. (laughs) We'd fall asleep every night in our sweaty, smelly tents to the sound of grown-ups talking. And every once in a while it would be punctuated by this explosion of laughter. The kind of laughter that you only hear when you were with grown-ups that truly loved each other and were kind of drunk. (laughs) So the thing that we didn't know about when we were kids is that our peninsula was not quite that remote because right around the corner was a bar. (laughs) And so every night the fathers would say, we need to go blow the gas out of the motor engines, we'll be back. And they'd head off. And they'd come back a couple of hours later really happy to see us. (laughs) And so on this particular night, the mothers looked at the fathers and said, we're going to go blow the gas out of the lines. You are in charge of the children. Now, it's important for me to stop at this point and tell you that all six of the children are still alive. (laughs) And that our fathers were great fathers, and they had been in charge of their children individually on many occasions. And like most fathers in the 70s, when they're left alone with their children, they have this little voice in their head just before they do something really ridiculous that says, this could end badly, don't do it. But when you put my father and my Uncle Bill together, that voice changed from that sentence to the question, what's the worst that could happen? So the mothers go off to blow the gas out of the lines. The fathers look at the children, 
And they say, you will be in charge of collecting the wood. And we say, yes, fathers, we will. Because we know something amazing is going to happen. And so we scurry off and we bring back the two kinds of wood that kids can find, which are tiny little twigs that burn in 11 seconds and giant water-soaked tree trunks. (laughs) And we throw them into the fire pit and of course they won't burn. And so my brother says, why don't we throw some gas on it? My father starts to say, I don't think that's a good, and my Uncle Bill says, that's a great idea. What's the worst that could happen? So we dump a couple of gallons of fuel onto the fire pit. My father goes to start and light a match. The kids know this is not going to end well, and we take a step back. He lights a match, he throws it in, nothing happens. He goes to light a second match, we take another step back. He throws it in, nothing happens again. My brother starts to say, I think we need more. And an explosion licks up to the heavens. There are flames 30 feet in the air. You could see this from space. There's a mushroom cloud that blows my father four feet back on his ass. It singes off the top of his eyebrows. My Uncle Bill runs over and goes, that was close. My father says, I know. At this point, the children are screaming, this is great. We love being with the fathers. Why do we even have mothers? They ruin everything. Now, you couldn't actually see this blast from space, but you could see it from the shores of Connecticut. Because the Bridgeport police contact the Harbor Patrol, who contact the Coast Guard, who send every single boat in the Long Island Sound charging towards the beachhead, including the water cannon boat. The other place you could see this blast from was the bar. So simultaneously, the Coast Guard and the mothers are charging towards the beach. The fathers are looking at the Coast Guard. They're looking at the mothers. They're looking at each other saying, this is going to end badly. I look at my father and I say, I have always loved you. I am going to miss you so much. The Coast Guard set up a perimeter. The mothers break through. Instantly, the six children are banned to the tents, but we can hear the negotiations. The Coast Guard agrees to let us stay the night if we'll move to the designated camping area the next day. The mothers agree not to kill the fathers in their sleep. And the fathers agree that the fatal flaw in the plan was allowing the children to collect the firewood. So the next morning... Two mothers, two fathers, and six children lured 4,000 pounds of camping gear, minus the fuel that we had expelled, back into the boats, and we head to the designated camping area. And we spend the next three days waiting a half an hour with the other kids on the shore before we swim, observing the quiet hours, sitting around a fire pit at night, enclosed in this tiny little Coast Guard-approved ring, looking longingly at the fathers, thinking, when are the mothers going to get desperate enough to leave us alone with you again? (laughs) We did get left alone many times with the fathers over my lifetime. The last time was nine years ago. 
Well, my Uncle Bill passed away after a very long illness of lung cancer. And six weeks later, my father passed away very unexpectedly. And the six children determined that his cause of death was a broken heart. And so we had my Uncle Bill cremated in Florida, where he was living with his daughter, my best friend. And I had my father cremated in Vermont, where he had come to live with me. We brought their ashes back to Long Island, and we placed them together in a box. We dumped lighter fluid in. (laughs) And we sent them out into the Long Island Sound. And like most times that we were with the fathers, things didn't go exactly according to plan. So as the tide picked up and the flaming box of our fathers started to make its way past the Coast Guard station, the Coast Guard started to jump in their boats. And just as they were about to get overtaken, a wave swamped the box and it started to float down. And I swear I could hear my Uncle Bill say, that was close. And my father say, I know. I doubt anyone else could hear that. But if you were anywhere near the shore, I'm sure you could hear the voices of six children screaming, we love the fathers! Thank you.